Hello everyone, I hope your day has been challenging and rewarding. I am Tom Hoyer, the Richard Forsyth Professor in Entrepreneurship at the John Altman School for Entrepreneurship at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. We welcome you to Venture On, our podcast focusing on supporting the transition of our juniors and seniors to life following college. It is a critical and important transition. Today, we are fortunate to be interviewing Max Santora, a 2013 Miami graduate. Mac, thanks for being with us today. How's your day been so far? Thanks for having me. I'm a big podcast enthusiast, so it's fun to actually be on one versus listening to one. <laughs> good, good. So let's just start out. Let's begin by letting our listeners know more about your background, your hometown, why Miami, your major and minor at Miami, and so forth. Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California, so a lot of people ask, you know, how did you land on Miami, Ohio? I ended up doing a tour of schools in the Midwest and just kind of fell in love with the campus immediately knew that I wanted to study business, but wasn't really sure, you know, what I wanted to do there. And I knew I wanted to get away from, from California, which is weird. Right. But, uh, that's where I was at. So I, um, you know, landed on Miami, Ohio, and then, you know, freshman year, they have these, they still have the like executive uh, lectures, the CEO lecture series. Yes, we still do. Yes, Uh, we do. Yeah. So I was, I was still kind of undecided on my major. I knew I wanted to do business and would basically go to every single executive lecture series and ask, you know, what was your major? What do you wish it could have been? Right. And almost every single one of them said finance, (laughs) even if they were marketing guys or whatever their, their field was. So, uh, you know, I studied finance as my major and then did entrepreneurship as my minor, but probably took even more entrepreneurship classes than finance classes. Um, so now, yeah, go ahead. So, um, how was your transition from high school to college? What was that like? It's pretty, I, you know, it's pretty liberating. Um, it was pretty liberating for me, right? I, you know, went to a pretty challenging prep school. So I think the workload felt similar. I think what was exciting was it was a chance to study things that you were, you know, interested in. And I was able to pass through, you know, from APs, pass through a few of the kind of like basic level courses and jump into business school classes right away. So I was able to kind of get into the curriculum that I wanted early. And so that transition felt easy. And I think it's just such an important time because you were really get to focus on, you know, who you want to be and you're around new people that are going through a similar journey. Right. So it's always, always kind of an exciting time, but you know, overwhelming too, right. Trying to figure out what you want to do with, with the next four years. Yeah. Yeah. So Mac, why did you decide to pursue a minor in entrepreneurship at Miami? How is, and how has the, focus on entrepreneurship been helpful to your career growth? Yes. So I, I lucked into it actually. Um, you know, I was going through and we have to select the living learning community and I was kind of going down the options and was looking for something business oriented and everything I was seeing was kind of red hawk or you know, there was just, I didn't really understand the value proposition of the different living learning communities except until I saw entrepreneurship. Um, and so I applied to the program and that's kind of what started me on my trajectory to, um, to the minor, I, you know, was with my first class was with uh, Joseph Kane, who who has since retired, but um, we had to do a $20 business plan and basically was hooked at that point, um, have taken, took almost every class in the curriculum that was offered to me during my duration there. And I think it's been, 
could go on and on about how helpful it was, but I think there's like three big points of what, what helped me is one, it allows you to see business end to end versus, you know, if you're in your own specific major, you see finance from one perspective, you see marketing from one perspective, right? Uh, entrepreneurship classes allowed you to see the entire picture of a business and that helped me kind of connect the dots in what I was doing. Number two, you really learn like problem solving and teamwork and leadership, right? It's kind of some of those um, intangible skills that were so valuable as I was entering and coming into my career. That's what you end up using the most, right? You're not applying any of the specific tools you learn in your different major classes. You use the you problem solving, you use your teamwork, right? And uh, your leadership skills. So those two things combined were really, you know, entrepreneurship helped significantly. So do you remember your $20 startup business? So we actually got, the first one that we did, we actually got in a little bit of trouble for. We thought it would be a good idea. You know, we were freshmen. We weren't able to get into any, you know, bars. So we thought it would be pretty fun to do a, like, Christmas party, essentially. And we went out and used the $20 to print um, a bunch of different uh, flyers and did kind of like a, you know, rented out a bar for Christmas. So not that we actually ended up getting in trouble for passing them out in dorms. Not the best one. We did a, the next year, I had another shot at it, and we did a uh, cleaning service, right? So we used the $20 to buy um, cleaning supplies and went around cleaning up houses all throughout yeah. Oxford. I, I think I remember you talking to me about that experience. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, talk about the recruiting process during your senior year. Today, I probably had five students in my office uh, specifically talking about recruiting. How do I get hired? What should I be looking for? So talk about that recruiting process your senior year and kind of what was the most difficult aspects for you in pursuing your first career position? Yeah, so, so my path was a little bit more traditional, right? I took taken an internship um, over my junior year and then accepted a job kind of going into senior year. But I helped, I found that internship by kind of networking with upperclassmen in my fraternity and kind of they were, you know, had different internships and they were able to kind of set me up or introduce me to the program that I had found. And then, uh, that's kind of how I jumped into it. Um, and basically, you know, once you have that, you know, you perform well in an internship, you have that chance to kind of jump in, uh, to a full-time role. And then, so, so it was a little bit, it wasn't quite, uh, I didn't have as much of a, uh, a senior year process as others did, but it still, um, had a lot of the same kind of decisions to make early on. I think kind of my learning from that is that, you know, it would be good to take your senior year if you have an offer there to actually just maybe defer as long as you can and make sure you really want to know what you do after, um, after the internship, right? You kind of usually are fed into a pipeline. You've got like four weeks to confirm or deny whether you want to do that internship or not. And you're just, it's too fresh to really know, right? You haven't had a chance to talk to other companies um, to really get a perspective on what you'd want to do. I, that's exactly right. And I think this idea of trying to defer as much as you can, as long as you can, is really important. But I would also say this whole preparation of, of having your resume, understanding what you want to say, you know, what locations you want to go to, what is your kind of sense of purpose and passion. Knowing all that is so critical. And I think today some seniors uh, that and juniors and seniors need to put maybe a little bit more effort into that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you my criteria. Like I wanted to go to a big company with a leadership development program that was rotational, and I wanted to go to 
like a, I fell in love with Jack Welsh when I was studying leadership in college. And I wanted to go, it's kind of like a modern day Jack Welsh, which was Jamie Dimon, in my mm. opinion, right? And so that was kind of what helped me like kind of filter down that path. And I was lucky enough to find a consulting group within JP Morgan when I started. But um, I think, take, you know, taking your class in your year and few, a few other like financial case study classes, I think I probably would have even gone harder down the consulting route if, you know, I had waited for you know, a little bit longer. Yeah, so good. So that leads right into the next question, which uh, your you know your initial role uh, with J.P. Morgan in Columbus, and can you talk about your time with J.P.? What was your plan during your first six months to make a successful transition from college to J.P.? Those kind of those kind of questions seem to be critical questions I hear quite often from students. Yeah, so I mean, I think your preparation for the first six months of your job starts now, whenever you're at it it from a college perspective, right? So it's, you know, maximizing the classes that you're interested in in college and going all in, right? So it's learning kind of the teamwork skills that you get from the business plan competitions. It's, um, you know, learning how to, you know, figure it out right along the way. So all those skills that you are kind of learning through college that may not seem valuable, that's that's what's going to pay dividends in those first six months. I think my approach within the first six months was I'm not going to, I think a lot of students come in and then, you know, I know I'm going to be doing the highest level strategy and problem solving and bring, you know, the most value in the world. Actually, sometimes it's just like good to get in there and block and tackle a little bit and build that credibility saying, I'm, you know, I'll do kind of whatever it takes to help the team. And it might not be the most, you know, sexy work right away, but I'm understanding that, you know, if you build the credibility on maybe the smaller tasks, they're going to trust you with bigger tasks, right? And so that was my approach in the first six months, and it was really uh, paid dividends. I think that's that's perfect. And what I heard is, you know, I'm going to be an ultimate team player. I'm, I'm going to do the jobs that, uh, that uh, you know, they want me to do because I know they'll give me tasks and assignments to build my skill set and help me to continue to kind of grow in the company so I'm prepared for the next six months after that. Seems like a plan that we all ought to embrace and be involved with. Yeah, and, and there's another line that I got from John Altman, who was one of the speakers at you know at through the entrepreneurship programs, and I had asked him, you know, when you know he had worked at a big company before he started um, into you know started his own business, and I said, you know, when did you know it was time to switch, right? How did you know it was time to switch? And he goes, you know, my goal every day was to either did I learn today or did I have fun today, and who would answer that, that question every single night before he went to bed. Um, and I always thought that was a good kind of baseline to measure your like early career, right? Did I learn today? Did I have fun today? And, you know, that's all you can really ask for, right? So, Mac, if, if the listeners take that piece of wisdom from this podcast, uh, it will be truly meaningful, very important to them. So, listen, the, the, the describe your first boss. I, I think, you know, quite often um, students believe that the first thing that they should look at in accepting a role, their first role is the what's the salary and maybe who the company is and what the role is. I think the first most important thing is who you're going to work for, who's your boss. So how important was he or she in your transition to work life? Yeah, it, they're, they're wildly, wildly important. I don't know, it, it might not always be your direct boss, but even if it's like the team lead, right, or the kind of the managing director of the group, that leadership up front, having somebody to kind of help you out there is huge. Um I was in a rotational program, so my boss has only lasted, you know, six months at a time. But, you know, the first group that I was with, I still stay in touch with to this day, 
right? Uh, they're, they're really critical to your day-to-day happiness. And, you know, if you've had a bad boss, you'll know pretty quickly <laughs> that it's, it's one of the most important things you can have. So, you know, in a six-month rotation, you can't really choose, right? You can't, like, select for your boss. But I ended up being lucky. But you, you want to make sure that, you know, if you have a choice and you're – say you're interviewing at a smaller company, it's definitely worth asking to meet – the, you know, meet who your leader would be for sure. Yeah. Listeners, listen to the last piece that, that Mac just said. Uh, make sure that if you have that opportunity, interview with your prospective boss before you make a decision to go to work there. It's going to be really, really critical. Um, how did you determine uh, that it was time to seek a new opportunity? Um, again, the company you're currently with is who? Uh, it's called Alpha Financial Management Consulting, so it's a little bit more of a boutique firm than okay. kind of the, the bigger firm, J.P. Morgan, that I was at. Before. So how how did you determine it was time after uh, so many years to to leave J.P. or how would you how would you tell somebody that it's time uh, point to kind of move on to another opportunity? Yeah, so it goes back to that question I was kind of asking myself. You know, there's a there's a few questions I was asking myself, right? So I went back to that: Am I having fun today? Am I learning today? And I was kind of striking out on both. And not to say that there wasn't more for me to learn at J.P. Morgan, right? That there's way more that I don't know. But I kind of stopped feeling like I could learn there. So um, I felt a little bit of a roadblock um, from that perspective. And I kind of looked around. I said, you know, you know, do I want to be here in 15 years? And it didn't. the answer was, was no, right? And so I wanted to find something a little bit more nimble and something that would kind of get me to my longer-term goals, um, and you know, the, I'm reading a book right now that's talking about how you don't have to make you know big jumps each time that you're you know you're jumping to. You can kind of experiment along the way, right? You know, it's it's you could take a path towards say you want to find a job that is you know a little bit more entrepreneurial. You could join a boutique versus a big company, and you could kind of work towards that entrepreneurial dream. You don't have to do it all at once, right? So that was kind of my thought process. How long did how long did you actually kind of look for that new opportunity? Uh, did it take you a couple of months or uh, g- give us kind of a sense of how that how that worked? This one actually came along pretty quickly for me. It, um, you know, I was at that point, I've been thinking about it for a while, but I was at that point where I was ready for a new opportunity. And I just said, yeah, and I was able to kind of find a recruiter and the firm that I'm with now matched a lot of the criteria I had, you know, more independence, you know, ability to make an impact right away, ability to lead big projects. Right, a lot of the things that I wanted to do, and it just lined up and worked out. So I got lucky on that one. Okay. Final two questions, and I'm really kind of curious. You may have already talked about this, Mac, but um, what would be? I, I, I periodically, not periodically, quite often, I get emails or telephone calls from students that have graduated uh, within the last five or six months, or within five or six months of of leaving graduation, they become disenchanted with their first job. What would you, what kind of advice would you give those individuals? Yeah. So I think the, the word that comes to me is ownership, right? And taking real ownership of anything that you're doing. Um, because it's so easy to kind of get in, like, disengaged when you start thinking about the task, right? So for one, one example, right? If you're in your first few months, you might be taking meeting minutes uh, for your team, right? And so that seems like something that is, you know, oh, it's so boring, I'm taking notes, right? But if you're engaged in the conversation and then you just happen to be taking notes with it, 
right? It's a, it's a much more interesting process. So it's really taking ownership in the entire kind of problem that the team's trying to solve and, and getting engaged in it. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you still might not look for different opportunities, but it'll help your day-to-day and how you feel and how you feel engaged on, you know, what you're working on. Yeah, that's, that's good because, I mean, you know, people make a selection. They make a determination that it, this, is, this is the first job I'm going to go into. And I think that sense of ownership that people make needs to be thought through and understood that the job's going to unfold over a period of time. It's not going to just be six months, nine months to a year and continue to look at that position that way. And I think probably when I think back and if I had difficulty within the first three to six months of a position, I probably spent some time talking to my boss about that and talking to how, how can we, how can we really uh, uh, help make us a little bit more challenging and, and give me an opportunity also to show what I can do. So maybe it's also putting that foot forward and saying, uh, uh, challenge me, you know, kind of challenge me even a little bit more. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly right. You've got to be, you know, really involved in managing your career because really no one's going to do it for you. So you need to kind of have those conversations with your boss. I remember one time I had a boss who, you know, I first moved to New York and we were having, I was having, I was like burnout. I was working all the time. I didn't like the way that he was speaking with me. I mean, I just like set up 30 minutes. I wrote it down all on paper so he could see, I go, this is where we work well together. This is where we're not working well together. Like, how can we get this right? Because I want this to be a successful relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And from that point on, we got it. And we ran in parallel for like the next three years, right? But if I hadn't had that conversation, I would have waited for him to have it and it never would have happened. So, right? it's, so it's really... Yeah. So, so how difficult was that to, to go seek that conversation? What kind of... I mean, it's the idea of you, you had to have a little bit of courage to do that, but also, like you said, kind of taking ownership for your career sort of drove you to have that conversation. Yeah, I think, well, you know, it's part of just like, you know, that it's like, you know, you take control of your life because no one else, you know, is that control piece. But it was also just, you know, if I had gone in kind of guns blazing and just said, you know, this is why I'm not happy and, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm frustrated, blah, 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 I don't think it would have been effective, right? The point was that I had, you know, really specific, concrete examples to point to and said, okay, this is what we're doing really well together. When you did this, uh, it made me act this way and, you know, turn me off, whatever it was, right? You know, and so it was a really specific, organized conversation that, you know, made it successful. If I'd gone in being like, I, you know, I'm not happy, this is, it's just everybody else going in complaining about their job, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to have that structure um, and kind of like some solutions off the back of it of what you, what would make it better for yeah. you, right? Yeah, great, great. Final question. And um, really would love for you to try to think back to, your four years at Miami and think, is there anything you would do differently in undergraduate school to better prepare you for your career today? Um, you know, I think when I think about this question is I would have done a better job of understanding the different jobs that exist that are out there. Right. And so one example is I, I really liked this um, corporate finance class that I took and I loved and it was like kind of right up my alley. If I had known that job directly ties to kind of what investment banking does, that would have been, you know, a a career maybe I would have chased harder, right? Or if I had known that I liked this type of work, 
that it ties closely to consulting, then I could chase that job harder, right? But I didn't, I was kind of like focused on things that, you know, you look at the big company, right? Or you look at this different thing. I would have tied classes I liked better to the actual career that I was doing. And more specific than just finance, right? More specific than just technology. It's got to be pretty um, niche in terms of the exact subject matter. So I think that's kind of like my biggest regret is really taking what I like doing thinking about how that fits into the rest of the world. Cause it's so hard. There's so many options, right? Um, but it takes, it, and it so, takes in, yeah. in a lot of times, Mac, that's a great perspective. A lot of times it takes a bit of maturity to be able to think and understand that way at 20, 21, 22 years old. But I totally agree with you. And, and possibly what our students need to do is sort of reach out and ask for some help and advice a little bit on thinking through why I should take this course relative to the career direction I might be going. Or, yeah, or even have those conversations with the teacher, right, and say, you know, I love this class. What does this look like for me in, in the real world? How can I find this you know, <laughs> opportunity? And it's, it's not easy to do, right? And then it's a, maybe it's a hard job and you haven't built yourself up to get there, but you, you find a way, right? So, yeah. Well, okay. thanks. Hey, Mac, It's uh, it's been about 20 minutes. Perfect timing on this podcast. And actually, I, I just want to say the uh, the information that you've shared here is really, really important and going to be valuable for the juniors and seniors listening to this podcast. Uh, as I've told many people before, you've you know you were one of my favorite students, and secondly, you know the idea of seeing your success is really uh, 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 really admirable, and I uh, appreciate you spending some time with us and kind of sharing your thoughts. Thanks so much for having me. I always appreciate your mentorship. and know that, you know, to all the students out there, you're lucky to have Tom Hoyer. And I would just say, like, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you guys have any questions or, you know, want to talk through things as well. It's Mac, M-A-C-K, Santora, S-A-N-T-O-R-A. Mac, thanks a lot. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks for tuning in to us. We hope that this information will be helpful to you as you think about your career as you think about your career transition, uh, it's such an important phase of your life. So again, thank you for listening and see you the next time.